This is exactly right. <laughs> are you leaving or are you on your way back home? Either way, we want to be there. Doesn't matter how much baggage you claim. Give us a time and date. Terminal and gate. We want to send you off in style. We want to welcome you back home. Tell us all about it. Were you scared or was it fine? Welcome to Do You Need a Ride? This is Chris Fairbanks. And this is Karen Kilgariff. Hello, my friend, Karen. Hello. Did you notice that I did my my uh, name introduction like a newscaster? Yeah, yeah. We were talking about the news broadcast journalism before this, and Karen took on a very TV-ready tone. I mean, I'm ready for the job. I don't know about things, but I can cold read and I can do the voice. You know, they don't teach anything at radio television school. Did you go? No, no. But I have family that did. A (laughs) father and a sister. Yes. Broadcast. (laughs) Did your sister go too? Yes. I mean, I think she'd probably be offended that I just said they don't teach you anything. (laughs) She's very smart and learned a lot of it in college. And I apologize, Lisa, if you're listening. Lisa, we know you're listening because you're one of the great podcast support sisters there is. Yes. And uh, I'd love to hear her actual trained TV radio voice. I would like to also see some of her early on camera work in Spokane, Washington. Yeah. Oh, for real? Yeah. This Before is Lisa she became a teacher. Live at the Space Needle. Yes. Stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A lot of head gestures. Head I, uh, bobbing. I have good news, but bad also. I Bees are back. I've, you know how the last couple of years I've joked about how bees are just gray and kind of limping on the sidewalk. Yeah. The other day I got stung on my hand. Well, the bee stinger was like on my shirt. I, I, I fell skateboarding. I dusted off the dirt. And then all of a sudden there was a stinger, a disembodied stinger mm. in my hand. And I just pulled it out. No big deal. It wasn't that painful. I just felt what a privilege to finally get stung by a bee again because it's been a decade. Then my two days later, my hand looked like a bagel, like a gelatinous bagel hand. And I just did an EpiPen in my leg and it went down. So there's nothing really to show. But it was in, I guess I'm allergic to bees is my story. Or it was not a bee stinger. It could have been a stinger from something else. Yes. Something much more deadly. Oh, God. We'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) And now the weather. And now. (laughs) God, we nailed that package. Yeah, we really did. Zoom in on the freeway shoe. (laughs) We have to introduce our guest now. Yes, we we have such a good guest today. I'm so very excited. 
It's very um, exciting. Karen, to kick off season three, our premiere guest for season three. This is our season three premiere episode? Yes, it is. That should have been one of the first things we mentioned. I know, but we don't do it that way. I had my bagel hand story. Sometimes (laughs) things have to take backseat to a good bagel hand story. Ladies and gentlemen, you've seen her perform at clubs and colleges all over the country. Please, and Star Search, please welcome the legendary Miss Margaret Cho. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> clubs and colleges. Um, comedy on the road with John Viner. John Viner's comedy on the road. <laughs> half hour comedy hour. Half hour comedy hour. A and E's um, the A list. Yes. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. MTV's half hour comedy hour with Mario Joyner. HBO's ladies of the night, the HBO (laughs) ones, the cable ones were always, they equated all female comics with being whores and sluts. So it was always like ladies of the night, night walkers with microphones. It was always, the name had to involve, uh, sex work. Yeah. Like with fishnet stockings in the logo. Yeah. And like a dark alley and high heels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That is and so welcome bizarre. Diane Ford. <laughs> Diane Ford. <laughs> Diane Ford. <laughs> Susie Essman. Margaret Smith. <laughs> I love I love all those comedians, by the way. Legendary. <laughs> Carol Leifer. They were the ones that made us believe we could do it, right? So incredible. Yeah, what what did Sandra Bernhardt host? She hosted the the uh, the A list. She hosted the A list. Okay. A-list. Yeah. She was great. She was the greatest. She is great. She yes, is great. still is. Yeah, still, still is. is. One of the best recurring Letterman guests of all time. Oh, yes. Yes. Did anyone ever see the time she tried to get Dave to use a rowing machine, like to do a, <laughs> wor- a workout with her? And she got up and went over to a rowing machine. It was like, come on, Dave, and was rowing really hard while she was yelling at him to come and work out with her. Oh. It was like. It, it was so hilarious and insane. I love that. I think I do remember that. I, I don't know why I thought it was an elliptical or like one of those. Um, oh, uh, yeah, this could be we can, we can do a tiebreaker and actually find out <laughs> what it was. But in I, my mind, it's a Versa climber, but maybe that's from Truth or Dare. I'm uh, I'm of the belief that it was a Nordic track. <laughs> yeah. What about the gazelle? The remember gazelle. that one? <laughs> Both arms and legs going. Yeah, that guy. The uh, yeah, he was uh, little, something little. Oh, Tony don't little. get me started on TV exercise, guys. Uh, oh, Tony Little. That's Tony right. Little. With, a, with a little ponytail. Tony Little's little ponytail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of looked like he had a perm. Yeah, and he he just he really loved cardio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a visionary. Did I tell you one time I got so drunk that I ordered a Pilates machine? I drank a whole <laughs> bottle of Mark Maker's Mark when I was working at Caroline's in the early, early, uh, like 2000s, or maybe it was the late 90s. And I ordered it. I didn't even order it on the internet. I ordered it off television. No. <laughs> I was so drunk. And it, I, I don't think I gave them the right, correct, like, credit card information because it never came and nobody ever charged me. <laughs> Oh, like you charged somebody else for a Pilates machine. Something, somebody got a Pilates machine that I ordered when I drank a whole bottle of Maker's Mark. That's so disgusting. But yeah, that's but that's how we did it back then. Yeah, it was like the 90s because it was at the Mayflower Hotel. I remember. And it was like a, on a, a landline, like a push, like a not a rotary <laughs> phone, but, you know, 
the push button fun. Yeah. yeah. But that's when, yeah, it's when you're drinking a full bottle of whiskey that you're like, tomorrow everything changes. And it starts with this torture bed. I don't know. I don't understand Pilates. There's like, a, I've done it, but there's like a, a wooden bed on wheels with bungee cords and it essentially stretches out your spine. Yes. Mm-hmm. It looks like an old torture device. It does. I was taking Pilates classes for a little while in the mid 2000s. And it was that thing where, you know, like there's one thing your first the first exercise they have you do is like laying down and just kind of pulling yourself. But every time I would just feel my spine go ding, 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 like yeah. pull apart mm-hmm. in a really satisfying way. Yeah, it feels good. It's hard, but it feels I think it feels good, but it doesn't really I think you have to do it a lot to yes. see any sort of results. Yes. That, yeah, that's the impression I got when I was doing it. It's like I I wasn't necessarily tired. So I'm like, oh, this is something you have to do every day. This is a lifestyle. And I don't think it's going to take. No. no and it's not. very, they're very proud of it. Very expensive. They're so expensive. Yeah. Did you guys see the video of the person who claimed that they had gotten their vaccination shot and then their leg Um, it was the video she took a video of her own leg in the hospital bed and it was just shaking. And I couldn't stop laughing because I was like, first of all, I have seizures. So that is not a seizure. Yeah. Um, and secondly, uh, that's exactly what would happen when I would try to do Pilates, like the (laughs) level of just full on shaking. Cause you can't like your muscles just aren't that strong and you can't really control it. And I was just like, lady, (laughs) this is a Pilates reaction entirely. (laughs) She also had had like an iPhone charger poised like to look like a port, like a chemotherapy <laughs> port, but it was just stuck to her chest. Like that's a w- iPhone charger. Like it's like so it's so ridiculous. Yes. yes. Wait, she was like pretending to be in the hospital then. Yeah. She was in the hospital. She had just gotten her booster and then basically claimed I don't know if she brought herself to the hospital because she was claiming she was having these reactions because of, sorry, not the booster, the vaccination, her first shot. Mm-hmm. But she, she was posting on social media to say, this is what they're not telling you about. And then basically from a laying down position, just lifting up one leg and then just letting it shake from no core strength. This is what it looked like to me. It was very familiar looking to me. <laughs> and not scary. Uh-huh. Look at, she just drank a lot of coffee. That was all of her. <laughs> oh. But I think she had started a GoFundMe too. Like she was trying to uh, make money from her disability, her, per- oh, wow. her supposed disability from getting the vaccine. So it was a big scam. Oh, that was supposed to be like, now go to my GoFundMe and oh, help wow. me with yeah. my shaky leg. She should yeah. be arrested. Here, donate to my leg shakes. <laughs> that's what um, I think that's what happened is that she had like started a GoFundMe and made some money because people were siding with her and believing her. I mean, that whole anti-vaccine thing is just so insane. Yeah. You know, and um, and it's all people that are just scamming other people. And it's all it's such so few people, but it's getting constant coverage. So right. it's not it's it's such a small amount of Americans who feel that way mm-hmm. and yet they're it, they just get constantly covered and shown on the news. It's and ridiculous. I say this as a broadcast journalist, I don't <laughs> think the media is our friend. <laughs> I don't think they make good decisions when it comes to 
these scare tactics. Everyone's after a dollar. Not us. <laughs> Not us. No, I don't. I, I require no money. I got everything I need right in this room. I did, however, when I saw a series of videos where people were like, there's a magnet. It's there's a chip in my arm oh. and they're holding magnets to their arm well, and, and a key, a key on their forehead. And like, yeah, a key. Yeah. it's like <laughs> just their you- sweaty forehead. They're using the. It's so stupid. It's so dumb. I did run a magnet over my new. I'm like, what if? What if it is a magnetized liquid or something? Maybe there's flex in it, like Goldschlager. And so I put it over my arm and uh, yeah, nothing happened. Nothing happened. I wasn't believing it. I just wanted to try it. The claim is that the the vaccine makes you magnetized. The mm-hmm. claim was a chip, a tiny state of the art, smaller than Rick Moranis's little spaceship <laughs> enters into your bloodstream. And so they can keep tabs of you in rural Idaho, uh, you know, where they can see how they're affecting your genes because <laughs> in rural Idaho, you have the the best genes. I don't know why I'm attacking rural Idaho. Uh, you were, I think you were just trying to name a place where maybe people aren't getting monitored. Yeah. Well, and also I've seen lots of people write tweets about this and make jokes and stuff, but it's like your phone is how they, if they want to monitor exactly. you, they ha- you hold a thing all day long that enables people to monitor you. What about yeah. the computer in your pants? Dum dum. <laughs> Margaret, were you excited to get uh, the vaccine? How was your quarantine? Um, My quarantine was okay. I mean, it's weird because I really love staying home. I didn't realize how much I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And I have not been able to stay home. I mean, we really haven't been able to stay home for 35 years. Yeah. Because we just work all the time and do stand up. So it's like always gone or whatever. So. I've just been here, which I love, and I've get, got to enjoy my house. And, you know, uh, I, I'm excited to get the booster. I, I really would like to mix and match. So I'm <laughs> hoping, um, I, I don't know, I'm not sure which one I'm going to get, but I, I, I have yeah. my Moderna's, which I got at a Dodger Stadium, mm-hmm. which was really exciting. So now I'm, I'm like, oh, I wonder, I wonder which one I can get, which booster, and I, I can't wait. I'm so excited. It's such a weird, like I, I talk to my therapist about this all the time where it's just like you overall, you go, oh, there's been a quarantine, but we're all fine and nothing, not that much has changed except for we stay home until like, until you go back out. And like my friend had like five people all meet for dinner for his birthday at a restaurant that had like a patio and I was like, the second I sat down, I suddenly was the quiet person. And I was like, Oh, this is, I didn't know what to say. And mm-hmm. I didn't know how to interact. And then when I went to tell a story, I had to say, Oh, sorry, by the way, I might not stop talking because that seems <laughs> to be one of the side effects of me being in quarantine is yeah. I can talk for, I mean, I think I always have been very mouthy, but it's like, I don't, I can't read the room anymore. So I don't know when my story should end yep. and I will just keep filling the air. <laughs> and it is so fucking embarrassing and weird. Like I do it on the phone a lot and then I'll be like, oops, I'm sorry. I can stop talking now. But that to me, I call it the talking disease 
is one of the weirdest side effects because I feel like, you know, as we all know, as comics, reading the room is part of how you survive and why you are or are not good at what you do. And I suddenly don't know anymore. I can't, I don't have the internal like temperature to go enough. Like the, I'm doing it right now. I, you guys uh-huh. know what I'm talking about and I'm still explaining. I no, feel like I know, yeah. I'm doing that in person too. Like I would tell long boring stories to my morning skateboarder friends and they're just like, where's this going? And I'm like, Oh, I forgot <laughs> how to be in a social situation. But I have a feeling if you were on stage that, you know, it's different. It's different than being on stage. I don't know how to be at a dinner party, but I can still do stand up, I think. I mean, I've never known how to be at a dinner party. I've right. never known how to do any of those things. I either like talk way too much or don't talk enough. And so I've never really ever gotten the balance right. So it's never, I don't know, it's never been an issue. With stand up, though, it's weird because now I'm starting to do shows again and I really don't know what I'm doing because I've really not done it in so long. So it's, that's a weird feeling. Yeah, have I you bet. done shows? I have been easing back into because there's not a lot of shows going on. So I've mm-hmm. just found myself getting work and being somewhere where I need to do an hour. And I'm I just fall back on my old material. Everything that I wrote during quarantine was about the situation. And no one wants to hear about that. Uh, in some ways they do. But yeah, I, I I forgot my joke. I'll be in the middle of a joke. And I forgot how it ends. Like, I just haven't. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Do you think the audience is understanding and like, okay? Or do you feel? They're super excited just to be out. Yeah. So they're really happy about it. So there's there's also a different feeling of like this refreshing sense of like, oh, I'm not in my house. Yeah. (laughs) I like not watching TV. Yeah. That's a good, there's like, I think some measure of good faith that you get from that. And so, and I really don't remember any of my own material and I will not go back and look at it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I, I remember it. I'll text it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Please. please. Cause I just don't No, I just take, I refuse to go back and look. And so it's something that, um, I have, I have trouble with, but I figure if I keep on doing shows, it'll, it'll work itself out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. It's the only way to work through it. It's just weird because I feel like, I mean, I haven't been doing live standup shows or anything like that. I have done, I did a couple streaming ones where I was like, this is true torture. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. It felt really, really bad. It felt awful. Even if you're doing well, it felt awful. Like there was no winning and it was just, it was hilarious. But I just think it's funny that I think on the surface, I would assume everything just and it's fine. We all tracked this. We all kind of processed it as it went. But then it's almost like, but you step outside and that's when you learn how fucked up you may or may not be from sitting at home for two years. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can't really know until you're sitting. Like I was at that dinner. I knew two people, two people were strangers that I met that night. Very, everyone is super nice. And I still, it was, it felt like seventh grade. It was just like, what in the fuck is this? It's insane. Yeah, I'm doing both. I'm talking to strangers for too long. But if it's a social (laughs) situation where I'm it's people I should be comfortable around, I clam up like a weirdo. Yeah. So I'm I'm just wasting the time of passers by and (laughs) and loved ones by being silent. (laughs) 
<laughs> Let's go around in a circle and then and give each other ideas about great icebreakers if you're ever in that situation. So my idea is uh, uh, something I would say is what's your favorite birthday you've ever had? Something like that where mm. it gets people talking. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Like, I think um, it's it's just like what was uh, the thing that you remember most about junior high, which is mm. like the worst <laughs> part of life? That's really good. Get people to talk about like actual trauma. The yeah. worst but part distant. of life. Yes. But like distant. Worst. I yeah. think junior high is the worst. Yeah. What's for your sure. most memorable childhood trauma? I'll talk yeah. for hours. Yeah. I would love to hear that question. Yeah, me too. Because I want to, I think these days we want to talk about real shit. Yeah. Right. I was so um, shy and like got bullied a lot in junior high. So I would sit on the toilet and eat lunch. <laughs> eat. <laughs> And not be bothered. I would eat like a burrito that, you know, they were like so hot in the inside. Like those microwave burritos. The microwave burritos that you get in the cafeteria. Like a long, a long boy, a long one. And I would sit on the toilet and eat it. And then people would come into the bathroom and be like, why is that stall like always in that stall? It's so weird. A long just burrito is the, it's the best thing to be eating on a toilet. <laughs> on the toilet. And just sitting there eating it like perfectly happy, reading the graffiti and just biding my time. I think it was like, I just, I wanted to be isolated. Yeah. You needed a moment to yourself. Mm -hmm. Is it okay? And I'm just admitting this. Sometimes I still enjoy, I will bring food into the bathroom with me. Let's just say that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I bring yeah. beverages in the shower. Mm -hmm. I like to wash my insides as <laughs> while I wash my out nice. with White Claw. I used to really enjoy a beer in the shower, especially if we were getting ready to go somewhere. That was a very 90s, uh, early 2000s move of, well, not early 2000s because I stopped drinking in the 90s, but... It, there's in my the height of my drinking days when we lived in that crazy house on Alexandria, it would be like, oh, we're about to have a party and I have to get myself together from the party from last night. And I have to, you know, collect my thoughts and wash my hair. So I would just be drinking a Sierra Nevada. <laughs> it was just like trying to be edgy, but like in the privacy of my own home. It felt yeah. like. Well, that house, the Alexandria house, I always think about like. I think you and me and Greg were in there in the morning drinking Baron Jaeger, not even Jaegermeister. It was Baron Jaeger, the honey. It comes yeah. in like a weird like hay container. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it has like a a, a raffia <laughs> jacket that you would take off. And yep. then we were drinking that in the morning. Yeah. Oh, I don't know wow. if we'd stayed. I don't know if I'd stayed over. Also at that house one time I was pregnant and I took acid and <laughs> I didn't know I was pregnant, but I took the acid and then I was like, there's someone in here in my body. <laughs> oh, wow. And you were right. That, that was, was the, Christmas. Uh, that Christmas party. That was Christmas party. Yeah. That we took and acid. people were like, we took acid at like three o'clock in the afternoon. Right. Right. And then the Christmas party started and I was wearing a silver vinyl 
dress that zipped up the front. And Mm -hmm. at first I started with that, um, one of those fifties kind of sheer blousey, almost like a night blouse. Yeah. And I was so cold at one point, someone goes, your lips are blue. (laughs) Cause it was fucking (laughs) December. It was a Christmas party. So then I changed into a turtleneck, uh, (laughs) a turtleneck under the vinyl dress. And people were like, you're the best host. And I mean, my pupils must've been like complete. uh, My eyes must've been completely black. It was insane. And it was just, to me, it was all like lights and faces and smiles. And that was the Christmas party. I think you were in the room for this, Margaret, but this is one of my favorite memories of all time. I went into the kitchen and Brian Regan had the joy of cooking open and he was sarcastically reading it to somebody. (laughs) And it was so funny. Yeah. It was, I can't even explain. He was just like, oh, half a cup of flour. And everyone was just like going crazy. So funny. It was how, really wait, nice. what, how many comics lived in this drug den? Uh, it was just me. My other two roommates were not comics, but everybody was <laughs> thinking about this too. This was this time where we all, so we, we spent every hour of the day together. So, you know, we'd always get together for maybe lunch, definitely dinner. Then we'd go do sets and most people were on the same show. And then we'd go to Fellini's and then we'd go to someone's house after 2 a.m. And so probably like that when Margaret and Greg and I woke up at my house, it was just like it was just another it was a Thursday, probably. Yeah. And we got up and we were insanely hungover. And then it was just like, now we have to go to toy and meet everybody for lunch. It was just like constant i kind of ran a phone tree where i'd be like we're all gonna go to we're all gonna get a toy or it was insane it was just sounds fun though i mean i know it was very fun yeah i never had that really yeah i just had a domestic situation when i started comedy i was home right after the show well not always (laughs) I lucked out because Margaret moved to L.A. Margaret had already been living in L.A. part time. We met in San Francisco so when she would come up there. And then when I moved to L.A., she was my truly my one friend. But she like you would go on the road and I got to stay at that house. But that in that house is where Greg Barrett lived. Laura Milligan lived. Jerry Finelli lived. Sometimes Jean Garofalo. So it was I like basically was grandfathered into Margaret's friend group, essentially. That's so exciting, though. It was fun. It's a piece of comedy history. It was very, it was very fun and very crazy. It was crazy, but Fen Fen and um, around the corner from your house was that's where Greg Barrett and David Cross lived. Yes. So that was another party house that if you would just like walk like down the street and they were right around the corner. I've heard of that because I used to open for Greg a lot and he would tell the stories about that house. Yeah. 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 That was a good party house. There was one party where Kathy Griffin would have a Christmas party every year and she got mad one year because it was when she was on Suddenly Susan and all of her comedy stand-up friends were embarrassing her in front of her Suddenly Susan friends. Uh-huh. And, and remember she ended the party early because yeah. people were like sliding down the stairs. So we <laughs> we all walked out on the street. So I just started inviting everybody over to Greg and David's house because I was like, <laughs> oh, well, let's just meet there. And I told all everybody at this party to go to their house. And then I went home. <laughs> so I was oh, really yes. drunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And Greg called me super mad. He's like, Hey, so your party started. Uh, are you going to come to it? I was like, sorry, I can't come. I'm too drunk. <laughs> That's the best move ever. It's yeah. so good. It was pretty bad. I would think that her suddenly Susan friends would love watching comedians slide down the banister. <laughs> you think, I mean, I think it was just a self-consciousness. Who was in piece. that Brooke Shields? Yeah, yeah, and, and Jed Shields Nelson. would love to watch comedian after comedian <laughs> slide down a handrail. Why not? I, I yeah. don't know, though. Come I on, Brooke. Not. But she Who married was... Chris Henshee, so she, she did, did love it. So she did love it. Yeah, is that she a must comic? Have loved it. He was a comedy writer. Oh, he was wow. a comedy writer, and he uh, he was a regular at Fellini's. Mm-hmm. And my favorite Chris Henshee memory is um, one night, and I mean, at this bar, we would get so drunk and Ooh. so i mean that's baron jaeger we were like into subsets of jaeger <laughs> yes is, is how alcoholic at least i was for sure there was one night where chris henshi was telling me a story and i kept taking a cigarette out of a pack and then lighting it then i would react to his story and start gesturing with my hands and then basically and then i'd be like oh i was gonna smoke a cigarette this is this is so long ago you can still <laughs> smoke in bars and after a while, I went to get a cigarette and the, my pack was empty. And I was like, who smoked all my cigarettes? And I looked down on the ground and I had picked, I had tried to light and drop 20 cigarettes. <laughs> That's how drunk I was. And how like not aware of what the fuck I was doing. And it was they, just, yeah, you were just throwing them on the ground. Yeah, I would like. Even would doing that with one cigarette. <laughs> but 20. 20 in a row where it'd just be kind of like I would get caught up in whatever the story was. And that's how drunk we were. And then just like fall out of my hands. And I'd be like, oh, I need to get a cigarette. Yeah. So normal. It's so normal, though, to put away like 20, 30 drinks, something like that at like uh, Pedro's or Fellini. I mean, but Fellini's, we would never go there until at least two in the morning. They would usually stay up until about four. Yeah. They would they would lock the door. So mm-hmm. we got to stay there after hours because we were friends with the bartenders. It was so it was really bad. And it's a miracle that no one died or well, because we, we were also driving. Yes. With that, all there, was the there was, there was no Uber, but there was no Uber. There was no tax. There's no taxis in Hollywood. Oh, I mean, Hollywood. OK, we yeah. didn't have far to go, but I. I mean, that's the other crazy thing, too. Who is driving? I don't know. I drove all the time. I must have been driving, but I can't remember if I was driving or not. (laughs) I must have been. You must have been. And I was for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it was it was a true blur. Back in, you know, 15 years ago, I would and people always frowned on it, but I just had a blanket and pillow in my car. And if I had too much to drink, I always slept in my car. You know, I got my pepper spray and my brass knuckles, but I'd sleep in my car all the time. That's smart, actually. Yeah, it's actually way better. And never get a good night's sleep. But it is kind of nice to wake up at the crack of dawn and drive home with the windows down at 5.30 a.m. But safer. Safely, for sure. Yeah, it's better than driving drunk. I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I don't remember how we got home every night, but we did. Yeah, you know, we love. Um, we were incredibly so lucky. lucky, and like, I think of it driving in the daytime now. Sometimes of like, you know, sometimes just every once in a while, like somebody will step off the sidewalk, and then you stop short, and I'm just like, how did that not happen to us at night right. while we were drunk driving? Like, right. it's just bone chilling to think of how close we could have been to something yeah. really horrible happening. Yeah, yeah, it's true. 
We got out of it. We got out of it. And we moved on. (laughs) We moved on, but it it was, uh, yeah, I think about, I think it's just like being young and just the way that I'm so glad that social media didn't exist. Could you imagine if we'd had that then? Like we'd just been so embarrassing. Like all of the things, like all the things that we didn't even take photographs. It's all just in our memory. Yes. I, you know what? There's one night from Fellini's that I have photographs of that are so <laughs> hilarious because I w- at that point I was on FenFen, which was essentially speed. And, you know, there's a lawsuit. You, you maybe have a lot of money coming to, towards you. <laughs> I bet I do. Well, yeah, I'm there's sure. a FenFen lawsuit. I'm sure. It <laughs> I've seen it so on bad. TV. But my eyes in every picture, like my eyelids are nowhere near my irises. There's it's I have the widest, craziest eyes and like smiling, like where you can see my gums <laughs> in the back. It's just scary. It's like it must have been. It, horrifying. it sounds like you were just happy, <laughs> just smiling, <laughs> surrounded by 20 cigarettes. It's just, <laughs> it was just I don't. It was crazy. I it was. Yeah, it was a dangerous time and unhealthy. But all this talk has made me want to go to a house party. <laughs> I know. Right. I've been Just home they can still be fun. They can still be fun. Yeah. They can. I mean, I think I think a house party. It's like also a house party full of comics, I think, would be fun. Yes. Now, just because we never see each other. So it well, would be Karen, nice. I'll, Karen's going to throw another party. Right, Karen? I will. I will. And, you and know Margaret, should you should do? go. I'm inviting people to other people's parties like <laughs> you yeah. used to. I deserve it. <laughs> let's go but, to David Cross's. Yes. Let's get let's get the, the old man. gang back together. Remember they would play like at David and Greg's house? There would always be like craps, a craps game on in the driveway. <laughs> was, and there was somebody, I think it was like a celebrity, some celebrity came. Maybe it was Vince Vaughn and Vince played Vaughn. craps and yeah. beat everybody, took the yeah. money and walked away. So incredible. And, and like, he was in swingers. Yeah, he, he did all it. that research. It was either Vince Vaughn or Toby Huss. <laughs> <laughs> Toby Huss was like a weirdly like at every party, too. Oh, yes. Kind of vaguely like looking like um, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, yeah, he is the guy that acted like Frank Sinatra on MTV, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I know of him. A great character actor. And he the also best. he reminded me of like he wasn't a stand up per se. He could if he wanted to. And he was a amazing life performer and stuff. But he was always the one that like, when I was being my most idiotic, then I would look over and if Toby Huss was standing there, the shame would pass over me because he was like a real adult with a real career. It felt Mm -hmm. like where I was like, Oh, my shit isn't going to fly over that direction. Well, he also has one of those faces like he's always disappointed in you. This yes. resting disappointment face. He does. Well, he yeah. just looks so cool. And it was that weird, um, 90s as 1940s. Yes. <laughs> he looked like a dust yeah. bowl a yes. migrant who had come out. He was wearing the same jeans for five years. He also did the thing that I loved where he crossed his legs like kind of like a woman, like his knee went all the way over and then he would cross oh, yeah. his hands while he was smoking a cigarette. And it, that was exactly what, how my uncle Steve used to do it. And it was just very, he, there's something about Toby Huss that is just so like, it, he's like a lead character. And even mm-hmm. though it's supposed to be your life, you're like, Oh, the lead character's here. <laughs> like right. he's a legend. I just think of him like outside of Laura Milligan's house. Cause Laura had a, a sh- it was a, it was like a shanty or a shack that was so, it was like they had built it themselves. Her and Mike had built it themselves out of yes. planks that they found at like 
<laughs> the flea market. I mean, it was just so incredible, like rustic farmhouse. Yep. And, you know, Toby has standing outside with just like um, that grapes of wrath kind of drag. <laughs> yep. Uh, with his legs swung all the way over. I know exactly what you mean about the the, the crossed leg. It's yeah. like a feminine thing that looks really masculine on him. Incredibly masculine and like a Lee button down cowboy shirt with pearlescent buttons. He mm-hmm. just the whole look is, you know, what it was there was hipsters in L.A. that would try to buy those clothes and wear them. But he actually had already owned them like he was the real deal, like that people right. were kind of trying to um dress like or look like well like people would in japan would be taking that picture to their hairdresser and be could you you make my hair look like this like it's that kind of like so iconic yes it's very interesting yeah yeah the greatest yeah that shack party there was one laura threw me a birthday party one time and i was three hours late to it Mm-hmm. <laughs> because of the fucking fen fen i could never leave my house i would start getting ready but you know this is like don't do drugs they, they fuck you up <laughs> so badly where i just like i would be doing my eye makeup for like two hours like i couldn't get out of the mirror so mm-hmm. so what, wait, what did fen fen do it's not related to fentanyl or fentanyl or whatever right it's no it's um diet. it's a it's a diet pill okay. it's like an old school like diet pill from i think maybe the 1930s but they uh mixed it with another diet pill that was like a downer. So you had an upper and a downer at the same time. So you didn't go as like crazy. So it wasn't like a mother's little helper kind of 60s situation. It was like kind of supposed to even you out, but it made you really nuts. And it was bad for your heart uh, Simultaneous upper and downer, classically how you die in your (laughs) sleep. I mean, I think so. That's Yeah, 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 the old speed ball. They 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 all go out like that. So, um... But it made you lose weight. So I mean, so fast. I lost 30 pounds in a month. Yeah, Remember that so British quickly. girl that went, Karen, are you eating one lettuce leaf a day? And we used to say that to each other all the time. <laughs> Remember that? And I was so oh, mad God, that anyone yeah. would comment God. on it. It's like I truly dropped half of uh, half of my weight. No, not, I was not half of my weight, but a significant amount of weight in one month. And it was crazy. But I got them from this uh, costumer who had worked in like the sort of Disney lot in um, the 90s when I was doing television there. So there was like, you know, all of these actresses because everybody in the 90s was really, really thin. Yeah. So there was no way to for me, like my body's just not going to do that on its own. Like I can't do that with diet and exercise. There's just no way I could ever imagine. So we we were all getting them through the same. sort of channels there. Yep. It was all doctors in Burbank. All doctors in Burbank that you never really saw their face. Mm-mm. It was all very shady. But, and then when you basically were like, oh, this has made me go insane. There's no one to go back to, to be like, hey, can I get this adjusted? It would be like the office would be abandoned. Or yeah. It so, yeah. It was so shady. It was so shady, but it was like, I, I mean, I think, yeah, now there's a like a lot of lawsuits around like class action lawsuits around that drug. But for a minute, it just seemed like the promised land, you know, that kind of like dieting and exercise. You just didn't have to think about food. Yeah. You had that pill. I did not care for the first time in my life. It was just like, oh, yeah, whatever. It was so you were really eating one lettuce leaf a day? One lettuce leaf a day. (laughs) It's insanity. Well, what we did was shop at the Beverly Center compulsively. 
And Melrose Avenue. And Melrose. Yeah. There was a lot of shopping in a kind of like frenzied panic about nothing. I couldn't get enough shirts with like polo shirts with like a zipper, like <laughs> with a ring. Like I couldn't get enough things with a zipper with a ring, which is the most like 90s thing is like any kind of zipper with a ring and like tiny barrettes. Yes, it was Big very belt. it was like Brady Bunch cosplay. There was oh, a, God. like yeah. a lot of polyester outfits where you're like, this smells. Someone else wore it 40 years ago and I'm <laughs> boiling hot. Yeah. And like it was it was. Yeah. A lot of men's pajama bottoms, you know, really <laughs> stiff things from X-Girl. Yes. <laughs> uh, on Vermont where you would like buy, you know, th- there that was a show uh, store that was next to the um, Beastie Boys store. Yeah. So you would, uh, it was like the girl's leg of the, the Beastie Boy store. And so you would just buy whatever, I think it was Kim Gordon's line. Yeah. And just you all, take anything yeah, they had. Anything. It didn't matter. And it was always very stiff and kind of painful. When yeah. I lived with, <laughs> uh, when I lived with Tig, she, for a few days, our house was a drop-off point for Katrina things, boxes of diapers and things. I had to move my bed out and this, I was moving furniture out so we could move these boxes in and Kim Gordon came into our living room and I'm a big Sonic Youth fan. It was like the first CD I purchased was yeah. Sonic Youth uh, from Columbia House. I put a stamp down. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I did not even, I know that Tig didn't know who, Tig just had one Aerosmith cassette that, and <laughs> Kim and. I was like, oh, you can put the stuff in. I was just talking to some lady and then she left and Tig was like, that was a, uh, oh, something Gordon, Kim Gordon. And I'm like, Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth was just in my house. It was the coolest thing ever. She is the coolest. I mean, she's incredibly cool. And, yeah. Do you know, you know her? I, I know I'm friends with her on um, like Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. And I'm, I'm huge Sonic Youth fan. And yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I love her just her just ev- and I did love X Girl actually still exists in Japan. Oh, um, wow. Um, and it's not it's a different kind of look now. But it, when it's you a say very it was next cool to the Beastie Boys store, is the is it Paul's Boutique? Is it or is that no. just uh, an no, album? The Beastie Boys had because <laughs> um, there's a store on that album. It was yeah, almost like the, the first tennis shoes store or whatever they're called. Yeah, it was like a streetwear, like for the for one of the first streetwear sort of outlets, places that you would get like sort of the big Kahart jeans yeah. and um, was it extra large? It yeah, it was extra large. Yeah, yep. and then it was See, extra. Yeah. I'm a I'm a fashion man about town. Look, right. you know, no, you there's know. Gr- a gorilla graphic X yep. X large. Yeah, right. I think they still make stuff. But we lived on Vermont. It was like a MacBooks, and it was EK. Um, <laughs> EK, which EK is still there. They're still there. Which I love. And that is it a muck books that had like all those graphic novels that we would read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And all of the true crime books that I read came from a muck books. Yeah. And um, that guy uh, now owns an Etsy shop where he sells a lot of the uh, stuff that he had liquidated his you know, inventory from Amok Books and he doesn't have an, a brick and mortar store, but he has a store on Etsy now. Oh, that's your very your cool. parents had a yeah. bookstore, right? My parents had a bookstore on Polk Street called Paperback Traffic. Uh, <laughs> it's a big tobacco store now uh, where you would get, get like vapes and vape 
liquid vape <laughs> juice. Um, <laughs> so but it gross. was uh, a big gay bookstore in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Oh, that's awesome. Have you seen the, either of you seen the documentary about Circus of Books? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it is so, and it's the most unlikely older couple that mm-hmm. was, got into making uh, gay porn. It was such a cool story. I, it's such I loved a great it. story. Yeah. yeah. It's a great, it's a great documentary. Yeah. yeah and those, guess what that place is now? It's a vape store. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a weed dispensary. Oh, it's like is a it? Weed, okay. It's a, it's a weed I see a store. lot of people vaping. I didn't, of course, it's probably marijuana vapor. <laughs> but yeah. That's what I miss. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sobs, so don't do anything. <laughs> yeah. But I do miss weed vaping, not weed smoking. Yeah. And certainly not dabs. Dabs would just kill me. <laughs> dabs. Do you ever do dabs? What is, no. I, don't, I pretend to know what it is. Is is that when there's black stuff at the end of a paper clip and you kind of freebase it, or was I doing oh, you, something? That, that's that's just that's like hash oil. Or okay, like a I've resin. done that. It made me hide in like a closet you, for twenty four hours. Yeah, yeah, that's too. It's intense. the same thing, but it's like you get like a nail, like which is a sort of a some kind of a base that you heat up with a a huge like flamethrower yeah and get like red hot and then you put um resin on that so it's like smoking the same it's the same thing that you would smoke it's yeah, very strong that that's when weed would feel like you're doing heroin or something like there's when you're there's implements and you got to heat up a thing and put another thing on it that's uh, that's what would make like a blowtorch though like you need like a lot of butane to oh, be able wow, to heat yeah. it up like you can't just do it with the lighter you need something that blows fire yeah, no, that should be the, the line of demarcation right there. It's too much. But I do miss the weed vape. Yeah. <laughs> if it yeah, doesn't work. Uh, there's a building in Missoula that David Lynch, I guess he's from Missoula, Montana, believe it or not. And there was a building that that blue velvet. Uh, but yeah, I did the hash oil thing and I hid in a closet. I ended up after... 20 hours finally calling my dad and saying I I smoked something I'm so I'm dying in a closet and he had to come pick me up at this scary hotel it was just uh, imagine the hotel from uh blue velvet and that's being paranoid and hidden in a closet I never did this yeah. stuff again uh, it's too anything strong. butane based it's too terrible strong. terrible too much it's for the young but there's just no reason. All those, yeah, I was all those I was, drugs. I was 20. Yeah. 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 It's like you're gonna, people will do them, but sure. I don't know. It feels like kids these days might be a little bit smarter. I, I felt think, like I was like, well, I gotta do this. Like I'm 23. Let's do this thing. Yeah. They're funneling yeah. vodka in their butts and stuff. There's other things <laughs> they're doing, but I think drugs are just whack. If you <laughs> offer a kid drugs now, they'll be like, no, thanks loser. No way, dude. Drugs are for nerds. Like, um, doing like a K off of uh, Scott's house key. That's like <laughs> somewhere in San Francisco at like the, the hotel on Knob Hill and doing um, bumps of K off of Scott's house key and then laying in the bed like two old ladies, like <laughs> just Tim and me in the bed. Like it's so it was a weird K is a weird drug. I'm like, is that even a fun drug? I don't remember any good drugs. Really. Did you fall into a K hole? Yeah. Is that what a K hole is? Probably. Yeah. Um, just, you know, you just want to get in bed. Yeah. I remember we did ecstasy one time. It was me, you, Ebby and Scott in your room in that apartment that was 
on like 14th or yeah, something. Yeah, 14th. And it was by, by Tweaker Safeway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and by Tweaker Safeway. Yeah. And um, we did ecstasy and you guys were all like, wow, it's amazing. And I was just sitting there and it was just, it felt like I'd used dander shampoo. My, my scalp was lightly tingling and that was the only difference. And <laughs> oh. I was like, there's something wrong with me. But oh, I was like, no. and we, remember the lights were out when we were listening to Crowded House and they yes. were smoking. And that was like <laughs> our drug night. <laughs> that was the best. I mean, yeah, that, uh, I think, was it Together Alone or maybe, it, I don't know, which record was it? it was I think it a, was Together Alone, together. Sounds, right? Yeah, with like four seasons in, in one day and mm-hmm. all those those big hits. Yeah, <laughs> and those beautiful, like, you know, the oral composition of it. Like, there, there's a bunch of shit happening, and so then yeah. if you're on drugs, it's like even better sounding. So many different sounds, and and we were listening to one on a compact disc. Yeah, <laughs> and so, so it was we compressed. heard so many things. Yeah, much like us, very mm-hmm. compressed. It was really good. What a time during that. It was time. different. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It was different than doing drugs at Ramona because Ramona <laughs> felt like we were, uh, it, we were, uh, really like stepping out. Like we were going to a, an exotic location. Yeah. Ramona. Wait, that's the mine and Scott's apartment. Yeah. Because I was trying to remember the name of that fucking street the other day. Oh, so, so Ramona, hard. Ramona, and yeah. I could not fucking remember. I was just, <laughs> it was driving me insane. Um, but that apartment, we were talking, I was talking about how I used to sneak into Scott's room and steal pot out of his drawer. Mm-hmm. And I knew he was trying to see if I was doing that. So I would go in there and look around for like a hair that he had laid over. Like I was, <laughs> I was like the most, the high level criminal. Where it's just like, I'm sure if I said to him like, hey, if I give you 20 bucks, can I just have some of your pot? But mm-hmm. instead I would just be like going in and breaking things off and taking the hair and putting it on the desk and taking the pot and then putting it back. Like it was <laughs> dirty. So great. It was dirty business. It was, so it was funny. not nice behavior. Desperate times at the Gap. Was this like early 2000s or late 90s? Or It was early 90s, man. Early, it was oh, early man. 90s. Fucking... This is like 91, 92, 90, yep. 93, See, 94, was, like I around was, that. I yep. was taken. I was in algebra. Oh, yeah. man. No. Little baby. I was, I was living the life in San Francisco. But like all of my friends that work, I'm still friends with a bunch of the people that work there. I like, do you remember Jason Lopez? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, D- Dave Mesmer, Jason Lopez. There was like he came to one of my shows and introduced himself to me as your good friend. Yes, yeah. he has been my friend since I was nineteen, and he has he used to go to the improv when we would go do sets on Mondays or Sundays or whenever we would go do sets. He has been there, uh, like watching me do comedy and then once i started doing podcasts he's listened to every podcast so we've ever cool. done he's listening mm-hmm. right now he's wow. listening yeah. right now he really is he was very yeah he was very sweet i remember meeting him and and uh he said he was your old friend and i believed him he was in love with greg proops so right. anytime proops was gonna be the headliner on the showcase show on was it on monday night or sunday at the improv do you remember monday it was mondays it was mondays. sundays was the punchline so Mondays was right. the improv because they That's would have right. the National Theater of the Deranged would do the improv show before. <laughs> yep. And then they would do, uh, so they had their own sort of thing and then they would do the comedy showcase and it was yep. always, Greg was there. Yeah. It always, it was so, 
What a time. What a cool place to come up. I mean, I'm so it's grateful. So cool. yeah, yeah, but it's also like it doesn't feel like that much time has passed either. You know, in a lot of ways, like comics kind of like I saw Greg today, actually. We did an Instagram live. I was like leaving and he he was coming in or vice versa. But it's like I don't feel like it like it was that long ago. Right. In a lot of ways. Yeah. No, it's true. But so much shit has happened. It's yeah. just weird. It's like, it's, it's a very, um, it was such a crazy group of people all trying to do like the same thing at the same time. And then, you know, everyone kind of just arced out and did took their path. Yeah. Just crazy. That's, I wanted to move there around that time when I was still in high school, just cause that's where you moved to be a skateboarder. San Francisco? Like, yeah. You, cause of all the oh, hills. Yeah. Yeah, you just b- bomb down hills. And and uh, I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad my dad said, no, you should go to college here in Montana. <laughs> but I I love that city. It's so exciting. Do you guys still love going back there or how do you feel it's about so the different. city now? I was just there. Uh, I went to actually I was in Sacramento on Saturday. I was going to tell you, I did a, I did a thing at the Crest Theater. Oh, and um, there was just uh, I mean, I'm like the old lady now because there was a. <laughs> Um, some kind of like drum and bass, like very like dubstep concert in the park outside my hotel room, and it was making me so mad. <laughs> These kids <laughs> with their dubstep, it's too loud. <laughs> Turn that bass nectar down. Like I was so was it angry. The electric Daisy Carnival, <laughs> something like that. Like it was so loud, and it was really infuriating. And I just was like, it was bleeding into my my super high density earplugs. Oh. And I could hear, hear it even through my earplugs and I was just like fuming. But San Francisco is very different now. Like it's very um, it, like none of none of the real sort of landmarks are there that we knew of. Like all of the stores are, are different and um, bars. It, it's just different. Yeah, yeah. The bars are different. Everything. Yeah. The restaurants, too. Everything's different. And also, I don't, I don't think the especially like the way I lived where that first house we lived on um, at Clayton and Waller with Christy and and Dave, Mm -hmm. I think I paid $350 a month for my room. Now it was the room under the stairs that I think used to had been a broom closet, but it was a Victorian. I mean, it was like, it was was a a great apartment, very beautiful apartment with huge windows and like bay windows in that front. I mean, it was like a classic San Francisco Victorian house. Yeah. And we got, I mean, those guys paid. So so our rent must've been 1350 a month because I think Dave and Christy paid five and Mm -hmm. I paid 350. And now that house is $15 million. Like I think (laughs) if you rented that first floor apartment of the Victorian house, you would pay 5,000 a month, especially because it's the upper height. At least. Yeah. My, my, uh, comedy hometown was Austin, mm. Texas. I moved there in like 99 and Margaret, I remember you being there. I, I just remember how cool you were because you were politically active. I didn't know comics could make, have, uh, sway things politically <laughs> like you did all oh, the, yeah. the same sex marriage oh, stuff yeah. way early two thousands. Yeah. And I, but wasn't there, I, maybe it wasn't in Austin. I don't know where it was, but didn't like police come to your, I remember there was, like, some th- kind of thing that happened with me and Bruce Daniels. I believe it was like, we had protesters in like Houston or something, which was super weird. Oh, Houston. It was, like, okay, a, it was yeah. a whole like anti-gay thing. And then uh, there was like a bomb threat in, uh, 
There was like oh bomb God. threats in different places like Houston and, and Atlanta sometimes. Um, the early 2000s was really weird to get like trolled by conservatives. Yeah. Because it was very, it was pretty violent, you know, and, and you would get like Yeah, that's like that. why I bring it up. It's like you're way ahead of your time. I mean, that, that kind of thing probably happens to comedians all the time now, but well, it's because of Instagram. It's very and, weird. But it's definitely different. That was like early 2000s, right? Mm -hmm. I remember, I thought you got arrested or something. I didn't know the whole story, but yeah, I thought it was yeah. so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was very cool. It was very cool. Thank you. But it's definitely um, something that I think now people sort of take for granted you know, political comics, but back then it was definitely yes, different. It was for sure. And it was the kind of thing well, where good it, work. It, it, did you see that thing when the, this, um, Britney Spears, con the conservatorship and everything, all that stuff came up and there was somebody posted the cover of details magazine from 2003 and she's on the cover, but all of the little like headline kind of things of what the different articles yeah. were in, the, in that magazine, were so atrociously awful and aggro mm. and misogynistic and crazy. And I was like, oh, that's right. That was just regular to us. Like that, the yeah. generation that we came up in, in comedy, especially female comics, were so used to this kind of like serious shit and real active and like very pointed misogynistic shit. Like just constantly. Mm -hmm. And you were just kind of like, yeah, that's just, this is how it is. You're, yeah, it was a normal joke with her and the little kids from Full House, like, ooh, countdown to the 18th yes. birthday. Yeah. Like, oh, on a, a mainstream yeah. magazine. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's so totally. Gross. It's so disgusting. But it's like. Even um, dogs hate it. <laughs> dogs, <laughs> she, she didn't like, like it. it. <laughs> She didn't, she didn't like, like it, it at all. I'm a chihuahua. She's like, Amanda Bynes is next. She needs to be <laughs> She like needs to be vindicated free. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it was such a, it was like a reaction against um, feminism because I think it was like the riot girl movement had really made an impression on people and um, bands like Hole and all of this stuff that was coming out of Seattle, like everything like was going on that was a real testament to being a woman and like Lilith fair yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And so there was this kind of counter thing of like, now we're post-feminism. We can make fun of women because we're, they're equals, right? They're yeah. equals, right? Oh yeah. That, but it, it wasn't well, because it wasn't funny. It was like countdown to their no. 18th birthday where it's like, if it's we actually look disgusting. at this, this is some whoever's at I the mean, center of this has an issue that they need to solve. I did yeah. make that up. No, but no, no. I, that, I was in that's character. That's the one I was talking about. <laughs> I mean, it's like a disturbing. Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. also then you think about that where it was like, yeah, it was Britney Spears and it was Christina Aguilera and they were being dressed up like yeah. schoolgirls and they were part of a machine that was absolutely you know, like guiding them that way. It wasn't like, this is my artistic expression. It's really scary. Yeah. No wonder we were on so many drugs. What, what were yeah. we supposed to do? Well, to, and to be a smart woman then was to really kind of like always be gaslit by society and be questioning your choices and questioning your presence. And in comedy, it was really hard to know, like, where do we belong or where should we yep. exist even? I think that's why I, I we all like really worship Janine Garofalo because she was so sure in who she was yes. and what she was doing. Like, how can somebody be so self-assured from the beginning? Yeah, mm -hmm. for real. Yeah. And so funny, like, yeah. and yeah. kind of the so permission cool. to 
the permission to be that way and to kind of really try to try to work to be that way as opposed to working to please, you know, the audience, which probably is predominantly men. They're just it was just such a weird like looking back now, it was like, oh, yeah, there were these decisions we were all kind of making without discussing it because it wasn't it wasn't of the time at all. And in fact, that was back when like when people would be asked when actresses would be asked if they were feminists back then. And it would be like, oh, no, I like everybody. They would give these answers that would break yeah. my heart. Yeah. I would just be like, wait, so what? Awful, like, so why sad. would you say that? Thinking that it would be the easiest thing in the world to, yes, declare yourself a feminist because you're a successful woman being interviewed for a magazine. And it would be it'd just be like, oh, no, I don't like any of that stuff that alienates people where it's like you don't like being paid the same as a, the guy that does the same job as you. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't realize that's what it meant. <laughs> well, we just didn't want to have to get into a fight because there yeah. was this idea that feminists were like angry and man hating and had to wear overalls <laughs> or whatever. Like, right. Yeah. Maybe you know, it's like, a way of dismissing it. I don't want to get in that argument or even that discussion right now. So I'll just say I like everyone so we can move I on. I do to like the overalls. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I would wear overalls with like a bra. Like, who is this person? Like, that's so weird to me now. I'm like, who's the first why? time? I, well, first of all, it was in fashion and it was that kind of thing where it was like, that's that thrift store thing of like, make an outfit out of this old garbage. But the first yeah. time I was on TV, the America's Funniest People, I was wearing overall shorts. Oh, how cute. <laughs> overalls on the top and then cut off at the knees and rolled up. That's adorable. <laughs> Party at the bottom. <laughs> so embarrassing. I, yeah. It's so, <laughs> so funny because I knew you. And when that, I saw that in a rerun, you I don't know where you were. I, I thought it was like the Venice beach. It was old sack. I had just, oh, wow. I had started stand up yeah. like three months before I did that. Well, mm -hmm. it was like a Valley girl. Yeah, it was like a cheerleader auditioning yeah. for Shakespeare play. It's hey, I remember thinking so it was. I remember thinking it was funny. It's like, well, that wasn't a home video. That was <laughs> yeah, just we were... early comedian work. <laughs> yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. they were. They told everybody, "Come down, and you might be on TV." And then I drove down there with Dave. I'll never forget that I drove down there. We drove by, and there was like a crowd. There was just one guy with a you know, uh, like a camera on his shoulder uh, and a person holding the mic and then a, a, like a small crowd, probably 15 people. And I was like, keep going. I can't do this. Like keep driving. And Dave's oh, like, God, no, no, we're, oh, we're yeah. parking and you're going to go and do it. And he made me do it. And oh. the other people were doing magic tricks or handstands yes, or like knock, knock jokes. It was <laughs> like, you know, it was America's funniest people. It was just like, what do you got? Oh, yeah. funny. Yeah. Tell us yeah. how are you, yeah. how are you funny? Uh. I you know, I, I still couldn't do we gotta, that. We got to start somewhere. This isn't the time or the place, sir. <laughs> and I'd walk away. <laughs> I can't just be funny off the top of my head. I mean, it was that too was that kind of thing where starting stand up was such a scary thing. Like I wanted to do it so bad, but I was so scared. Like the first time I did it, I've told the story a thousand times on this podcast, but I went hysterically blind for like five seconds before I did my first set. And it was that kind of thing, but, but somehow I did it anyway. And then once you're kind of over that hump, it's like, then you're in the mix and you're like, okay, what's next? And where do I go? And how do you know, what, where do I do sets and how do I, keep doing this. Was that at the Metro? Yes. Yeah, yep. that's wow. right. Yeah. The Metro. Uh, that's why 
we all of our stories are about drinking and doing drugs because I was a pretty good kid. I don't know. I guess I drank in college, but I was so scared to be on stage because who the hell is comfortable? Oh, it's totally normal that I'm in front of yeah. people. Of course I drank in order <laughs> to be, yes. it's like an occupational hazard. And if you live somewhere like Austin where it's like, Hey, here's your cigarettes and your, your open mic comedy yeah. <laughs> kit and your shiner beer. I, every night was how I would get on stage. Otherwise I don't think I would have done it. Not that I'm crediting <laughs> alcohol with starting my career, but it kind of yeah. did. It's just, it unfortunately sticks because it's also very addictive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, no more, no more. Sober, sober stage time. <laughs> well, it certainly, it Nobody's doesn't help better a at, performance. It helps you get no, there. No, it never has. But then once you're there, you actually have to do something. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't help yeah. actual performance. And it's sort of, it just gets in the way later. Like, but it, it does help you get the, over the fear or the dread. Yeah. Totally. And then afterwards, sure. everything, the celebration mm -hmm. of, I just did that. So I'm going to drink 19 beers. So yeah. fun. Or, it, so fun. or I didn't do well. Yeah. Let me have uh, 18 oh, beers because yeah, yeah. I didn't do well. Yeah. It's one less yes. beer. Yeah. I'll punish myself <laughs> by having one less beer. Yeah. Yeah. I'll drink a whole bottle of Maker's Mark and then I'll <laughs> call up a Pilates commercial and order one. This machine will do it for me. This machine will <laughs> it's make gonna me do it all. I hope that machine finally shows up, Margaret. So I, it's still not here. It's, it's been so hard. 30 years. You know, these, they make that same thing happen with this refrigerator I ordered. Karen's tired of hearing about it. Chris ordered himself a four foot refrigerator from across the country. <laughs> oh yeah. He got it's it was like retro. It was maroon. A smeg? It's like that, but nicer. Uh, it, but it, yeah, it looks like a classic hot rod. Yeah. For a dad From to have Coca-Cola. <laughs> yes, it's got flames up the yes. sides. Nice. And a Spider-Man mural. Uh, but it took, I ordered, I, did, I didn't want to get it from Home Depot or whatever. So I ordered it from some old guy and he put it on a post-it note and it fell behind a desk, <laughs> whatever. It took like five months, mm. but maybe that's what's happening with your Pilates machine. Maybe. Tony Little is just Putting the getting senile. <laughs> that's like the operator at that place is like finally moves over some like some papers over and it's like, what's the Oh, shoot. Oh. <laughs> 2004. Uh oh. I better oh. express this. We don't even make those anymore. There's, I recently moved and then got rid of a bunch of stuff that was in my garage. And there was a Pilates machine that I had ordered and I had never touched it. So it came, mm -hmm. I set it up and then I put it in a closet and never, just never even tried to use it. Oh yeah. I have, um, yoga mats that, uh, my cat had peed all over that I'd never even unrolled. <laughs> They're in the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I just, I don't know why I think oh, buying it's enough. I don't want to do anything. Right. That moment that you have when you're watching it and you're like, this is it. I'm going to change. Mm -hmm. This is how I'm going to be different. It's so yeah. funny. I ordered one of those half balls with a surface on the other. Mm -hmm. It's like a balance ball. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, that'll get, if I leave it in the living room and it's right here <laughs> on the floor, uh, I, if I leave it there, I'll, it'll make me every time I walk by it, I'll have to do some crunches, but no, I just step over it or stub my toe yeah. on it. So far, it's been a real hazard. I did that with a mini trampoline because I was like, hey, uh, when I'm yes. watching TV, it's all that stuff. And it's like the first time I tried to do it, I was like, 
a mini trampoline is hard. Like if you start yeah. doing it and then you're just trying to continue bouncing for a half an hour, you, I was immediately exhausted. Like this isn't fucking fun. I was so mad. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's yeah, scary. you think you're going to be doing little backflips. No. no, no, no. You immediately are like, Ooh, my thigh muscles. I never use these. Uh. <laughs> well, have we done it? Have we talked about everything? I mean, we've done, we've done it. I just wanted to tell Margaret, I, I watched Face Off the other <laughs> night and I kept pausing it. I did not know you were in Face Off. So oh, yeah. I just wanted to say that <laughs> it was uh, so awesome that you were in I that. ate so much and- pie during the making of that movie that they had to add a, a stretchy panel to the back of the suit because the movie takes place over, I think, the span of about a week. But we filmed over a year and a half because of all the stunts. So I had to actually add a, a stretchy elastic in the back of my suit because I was someone bringing pies to set. Yeah, because I was eating um, pie with John Travolta like he was he started to uh, invite me into his trailer for lunch. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why, but we would just eat and he, would, he liked you. Yeah, but we would eat like some kind of paste, like a beef Wellington for lunch <laughs> and then pie. And then one time he ate a whole boysenberry pie. <sighs> just to the head with one pie to the head with a with a fork just no slices just the yes and so that's the kind of eating that i was like accustomed to over the year like a king like him and so i gained so much weight that there's like a a a stretchy panel on the back They were so mad at me at the the costume department but you know oh god the customers Customers hate it when you're a size eight. So I can't imagine what would happen if you had to have them add a panel. They had to cut it and then sew it in because they had to have the same suit because we were like shooting, like the beginning of a scene, like in January, but then the end of the scene, like in December. So it was a very, <laughs> it, it was, it was rough. <laughs> but that was really, I remember when that came out, it was so exciting. Cause aren't you an FBI agent or like a, you're a cop yeah. of some kind. I'm like a, I'm like a FBI agent. So it's, um, one of the, you know, the movie, the conceit is like half of the movie. It's like John Travolta and the other half is Nick Cage. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> he was really, um, he's in character the whole time. So he was really mean to us, like the first part of the film for the first six months, he was just an asshole. Nick Cage? And then the next six months, yeah, <laughs> next six months he was really nice because he's in character the whole time. Oh, oh shit. So method. It was so method. So it was like, sir, like it's scary to work with somebody that's kind of in character the whole time. I mean, I don't know if he does that now, <laughs> but it was really scary then. And um, of course, he's the scariest person all so hours of the day. He's great. <laughs> But he's, yeah. he's, I do. I love it, but he he's would make legendary. me, I would be scared to be near him. <laughs> well, because that he's like one of those uh, like, uh, Steppenwolf rock and roll actors mm-hmm. where he's like in it and to the max yeah. and whatever, like, and he's so accomplished that like, it's like a tornado where he's going to come on and like make it his own. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing, like. Anytime I've ever done any kind of acting, the second anything happens that I didn't anticipate, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, it makes me weirdly like all my I just wouldn't be able to be in a scene, even if I was just supposed to be standing there because I would get so like freaked out by actual like and that's the whole game of acting is like 
you come in and you're this persona and you're, you know, like your energy and all that stuff. And I would just be like, Ooh, it was so <laughs> no, what's happening. It was scary. Cause like I, I was, uh, in a scene with Nick once and he's, he's, I supposed to yell for the medic and then he collapses, but he decided that he wanted to collapse first before I yelled medic. <laughs> so I kept on doing it as it was written. And then he just turned and he's like, will you just wait for me to fucking collapse? And then <laughs> John Wu comes, he's like, Oh, I just wait for him to uh, collapse. And I, was away. and I was like, so like mortified, you know, like I'm just doing what was in the script. And I, I was just yeah. like so scared that, but yeah, you know, it's just, that's how it is. Yeah. That's how it is. What is this show you're in with Kim Joel Booster has been on our our show before and he's terrific. You're he's you're in a funniest. show with him, right? Um yeah, his uh, I I did a movie with him and Bowen Yang called Fire Island, which is a uh, reimagining of Pride and Prejudice but with all Asian gay men and it's really yes. really fun. And we just oh, finished it. It's beautiful. Awesome. What um part are you in Pride and Prejudice? I'm the mom. I'm the mom. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. So it's like all of my daughters are going to find Mr. Darcy. And it's really, I, I had such a great time with them. They're so funny. And we had our own uh, podcast network. So Joel's is um, For Your Kimformation is his podcast. Uh, and then Bowen's is The Yang Over, yes. which I think is a really good one. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's like, I, I just, I love them. They're just the new generation yeah. of kids taking over gay comedy. I love Bowen Yang is killing it on SNL. So great. Yeah. So hard. And so great. So in such a beautiful way. It's just such an exciting thing. And Joel Kim Booster is like, I remember when I first saw him like outside a club or where, you know, some, mm -hmm. somewhere people doing sets and he, he really does look like a model. Yeah. Like he's it's like, so that guy gorgeous. can't be funny. There's no way. He's so and then funny. He's truly, really one of the best standups. Yeah. It's he's crazy. such a great standup and he's such a great writer. And yeah. he's just so beautiful. I he's mean, so he's beautiful. A, he's such a, it, 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 but everybody on that film is so gorgeous. And it was like all these guys and they all wore Speedos and, <laughs> you know, the me <laughs> just like eating pie. You with your boysenberry pie. <laughs> yeah. My whole pie. But it's like, they all had like veins on their stomach. Their bodies are so perfect. It's like, what the hell? Oh, yeah. like, oh, those Brad so Pitt veins. The 2021 gaze, I, I think the pressure is immense. It's, it's so it's immense. very much like the Callista Flockhart 90s for us is how it is for them today. Yeah. Because it's a, they're all perfect. I mean, they're like, it's it's crazy, but yeah. that's so cool. I, I So that's a movie that's going to come out. It's a movie that's coming out. And um, so that we just wrapped that um, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay. And so, so I, I think it'll probably it'll probably be out next next summer. It's a big summer movie. Amazing. What else? Yeah. What oh else? God. Any other plugs? Uh, plugs is I'm doing stand up. I am at Largo the day before Halloween. Um, if I don't know if this will be on by then, but then I'll be at. Uh, oh, and then I'm going to Reykjavik for the <gasps> flight attendant for a while. Oh. What are you the TV show? Yeah. Wow. Oh, if Michelle Gomez is still on it, please say hi to her for me. Yeah, yeah. She is the greatest. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know yet, but I, I will be there um, starting in a little bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm in a few episodes. Where is that Norway? Iceland. 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 Have you been there, Margaret? No, I've never been there. Oh so I'm excited. God. Oh, that's going to be. I haven't been either. I want to go so bad. I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Ooh, cool. Congratulations. I'm looking forward to that. all of the Goodman's daughters. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, all the, what is it? Goodman's son, Goodman's daughters. Is that, isn't all, that's all their names are? Yeah, basically. They? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about Bjork's extended family. <laughs> no, but uh, there are like so many of them. Yes. There's like a, like, a, like pretty much everybody's named that. Aren't yeah. they? Yes. And also everybody lives the, like the Southern, uh, just a little Southern arc of the whole Island. It's just that everybody lives down here because the rest of it is volcanoes and ice. Oh, wow. A magical place. Yeah. I I've never been, so I'm really looking forward to it. Margaret, thank you for being here with us. You're the best. Thank you. You're the best. Yeah. You're the coolest. It's really good to meet you. So awesome. Thank you. Yeah. That's it for us, right? Yeah, yeah. You've been, you have any clothes, Chris? <laughs> You've been listening to Do You Need Ride? <laughs> D-Y-N-A-R! A-R! This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Engineered by Stephen Ray Morris. Mixed by Roy Tanaka. Theme song by Karen Kilgariff. Artwork by Chris Fairbanks. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dynar Podcast. That's D-Y-N-A-R podcast. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. And you're welcome. I like to I like to pause before the horn.